Getting engaged is a moment worth cherishing. A one-of-a-kind ring that you design at Blue Nile can help your love sparkle. Just choose your diamond and setting. When you've found the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Finding the right engagement ring can be nerve-wracking. At Blue Nile, you'll have the expert guidance needed and a diamond guarantee that ensures you're getting the highest quality at the best price. Cherish all of life's moments and save up to 30% at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. I mean, what's that football focus doing? Last week they had Brady. This week they got Brady. We're doing it. We're literally doing it differently from everybody else. As a matter of fact, moving forward from this point on, I will not make reference to PML. Ready to get into it? Yeah, yeah. All right. We're going team by team. I would be very careful about slinging stuff. Am I going to get sued? Are we going legal on this? I like football, I like football season, all the things that go with it. Welcome into the PFF NFL Podcast, T. Palazzolo, Sam Monson. We're live here on Free Agent Monday, Sam. Free Agent Monday. Free Agent Monday. We're live. We are. All the fun stuff is happening right here. We missed uh, all, the, all the news this weekend. All the news. We haven't been able to react to it yet, so it's all happening right now. The Friday afternoon news dump was all the, you know, the most important stuff of the offseason so far. Yeah, what is with that? Like, you had a whole week to get business done, get it done, and put it out there. No need for it. It's a trade. You don't need to bury that. It's exciting. The number one pick has changed hands. The Bears have traded down. The Carolina Panthers now uh, picking at number one. We've got Jalen Ramsey traded to the Miami Dolphins. We have some quarterback rumors. All sorts of quarterback rumors. Aaron Rodgers is going to steal the show here today. Probably, with yeah. like a uh, with a cryptic tweet or something, yeah, you know, cryptic tweet, you know, just to just to make sure you're just like a plain emoji. And then Jalen Ramsey's getting the headlines right now. We got to get to the top of the headlines. We need a cryptic tweet. We need something about the stars and the moon and aligning. No, he and just just tweets out a plane, and everyone will go <gasps> the Jets, but he's actually just flying somewhere. Oh yeah, yeah. that'd be good. You you should you should run Aaron's social media. <laughs> so that's all going to happen uh, today. We also have our friend Brad Spielberger. Speaking of planes, on one right now. Uh, landing in five minutes, actually. Okay. And um, he's just gonna—he might show up for this show. He's gonna come straight to the airport from the airport to here. Now he probably won't make it in time because the Cincy Airport—you have to walk three miles mm-hmm. just to get to your baggage. But mm-hmm. um, anyway, if Brad shows up, we might just throw him right here on the show. Okay. Our, our uh, contract expert—he'll um, be with us for the next few days, reacting. So here's what you need to do: um, not only hit the like button, hit the subscribe button to uh, on the youtube channel because we're just gonna keep pumping out the uh, instant reactions here and the little bell thing which apparently the bell. is very important the bell's very important because that'll be like hey you know pff nfl podcast they're there well that also the that's when you get the notifications of our instant reaction to whatever big piece of news is just broken so for example if aaron Rodgers does decide he's going to the jets in like an hour you know and that gets done we'll go live Except we'll already be right. So, bad example. Let's say it happens in four hours when we're not actually on air. We'll just press a button. We'll jump in the seats. We'll go live. And then you'll get that notification. Perfect. Um, Here's here's what we need to do. Because we're live, we can't scour Twitter. We need the chat to keep us updated 
on the news. So if anything breaks, the chat will be our source of truth here on YouTube. I, I know that nobody would lie to us. I know that nobody would put any sort of fake news in there. So only real news updates so that we can react to it live. We need the chat to, uh, to step up here. Can't keep an eye on Twitter, but you can keep an eye on the chat. Well, yeah, because that's, that's our, those are our people. Okay. We're interacting. I'm All not right. going to sit here and look at Rap Sheet's Twitter during, uh, during the podcast here. All right. So let's get into it. The Panthers have mm-hmm. traded up from number nine to number one overall. The Bears have received the number nine overall pick this year, the number 61 overall pick. That's a second rounder for this year. A first round pick for next year. And a second round pick in 2025. And then the kicker, wide receiver DJ Moore, all coming over from the Carolina Panthers in exchange for the number one overall pick. So obviously the Panthers are trading up and they're, they're being a little coy. Oh, we got, we got a couple months. We got almost two months to evaluate the quarterbacks and get the guy we like. Presumably they know who they like and who they want. But the Bears, this is what they wanted, right? This massive haul. I love this for Chicago. Yeah, huge for Chicago. Let's start off with the Panthers thing, though, because that's maybe the most interesting thing to start with. I don't know that they have settled on who they want. Like, remember— You think that's real? Remember when the 49ers traded up to three, and everyone's like, oh, they like Mac Jones, or they like what? And they were like, we haven't settled. Like, we we like multiple quarterbacks here, and then we have the next however long to work out who we're going to take. And everyone's like, pfft. That's not real. Nobody makes this kind of move for, like, somebody. You make a move for, you know, a specific person. Maybe that was true, and maybe it's true now. The As soon as they did it, the odds changed for the number one quarterback, and they jumped. Um, they, they improved massively for C.J. Stroud. He's now the favorite, right, to go number one. He's jumped Bryce Young. Um, so that suggests that somebody knows something the odds immediately shifted. They, they took the bet down, and then when it came back, C.J. Stroud was the favorite. So now what I don't know is if that's based entirely off this video that Josh the McCown Josh did McCown for, video. for our friends at Underdog, where he <laughs> loved C.J. Stroud, based off the Georgia game, right, which everybody acknowledges was fantastic. Oh, yeah, he's my QB1 like, based off that game. If that's the one tape you're watching, you will love C.J. Stroud. If you watch other tapes, that's when you might develop some problems with C.J. Stroud. But anyway... A, I don't know if that's like the one piece of information people are using because, number one, he might have a different take now that he's watched other tapes. Number two, he's the QB coach. He's not like the GM or, you know, he's not making those calls. Like, he just isn't. So right. it's a weird piece of information if that's what's driving it. Now, we're also, we're maybe also, there's other things as well. We're also at a point in the process where I don't know how many one-on-one interviews – They've right. really been able to have, right? Did they only get their 15, 20 minutes at the Combine with, with Stroud, with Anthony Richardson, with Bryce Young, with Will Levis? Did, was, was that all they got to this point? They haven't had a sleepover yet. You have, to, you have mm. the sleepovers, right? The you know, QB comes in and he stays the night and you spend 15 hours with them and all that stuff. So um, there's still more to go in the process. But here's where I think it's why I think it's plausible. Um, so early into this, there were so many teams. A, the number one pick was obviously – available being shopped then there were a bunch of teams that theoretically were interested in that pick right we've been talking about them all houston jumped to, from two to one just to make sure um indianapolis four raiders seven panthers nine tennessee at 11 like there's a bunch of teams that could have made that move so if you're carolina and you're like we need a quarterback pretty desperately the ones on the sort of available market right now are kind of disappearing by the wayside it's very this it would not take long for all of a sudden Carolina to be absolutely screwed at the quarterback availability market. So 
let's make the move that means we control what happens from now on. Let's just get that done. We, we're not locked into number one. Like, we could trade back. We could, we're just the team that's shopping the pick now. So it's entirely plausible that they just made, let's guarantee that we have a quarterback and then evaluate all the quarterbacks completely and then figure out what we want to do. If it turns out we love a guy and we think he's available at, well, for the most obvious one would be Houston, right? If Houston wants to guarantee that they get their guy, they could jump up to one. Carolina could do- drop down one knowing that they still get the quarterback they really want in the first place. Or, you know, Indianapolis at four. Again, they could make that move that we've been talking about with Chicago. They drop down to four. They still effectively get their guy without, and recoup a lot of what they gave up to get up to number one. But the point being, they control where the quarterbacks go. So I think it is plausible that they've made this move without necessarily having one defined quarterback locked in. So you think the Panthers may have just been maneuvering for the leverage? Yes. Now, where I think it's bad, period, is that they lost DJ Moore in order to make that happen. Well, yeah. I mean, they gave up a lot. I mean, it, based off what you're saying, if if the outcome for the Panthers... So here, here's what I, think, I do think the best outcome would be for the Panthers. They legitimately have a discussion with the Texans and just say, who do you... Who's your guy? Right. Right? And if and if 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 they're willing, you know, if the Texans are like it's Bryce Young and the Panthers are like, all right, we're willing to give up Bryce Young and the the Texans can lock in Bryce Young, maybe the Panthers get some of that draft capital back. Yeah. Just to move down. Um the other thing that came up, I think, and um maybe part of the reason why they're they're playing coy about like, oh, we don't know who it is. Is it spite? Is it pure spite? spite? Frank Reich. Carolina Panthers GM to jump the Colts, right? The team that fired him midseason. Head coach, not GM. The head coach, yes. Frank Reich, head coach. Colts fire him midseason. They're sitting there at four. Now they're in line to get the third quarterback potentially in the draft rather than the second. Everybody expected the Colts to maybe jump up to one. Is there a little bit of spite involved? I mean, I'm sure it doesn't Panthers. hurt, but I doubt that's a motivating factor here. Or, or is, or is that part of the the leverage, right? Maybe Frank knowing what Jim Irsay might want, and maybe they end up negotiating with the Colts, and they get the third best quarterback. I mean, the fact that the so, Colts were sitting there ahead of them is certainly, I think, a factor in why they would do it. Like they have a, a decent idea of what they what the Colts are likely to want, and know that they're sitting five picks ahead of them. So that's one of the things they need to do. We do have some breaking quarterback news here. Yeah. Per rap sheet, the hashtag Chargers have agreed to terms with quarterback Easton Stick, mm. according to source. The fifth rounder from 2019 will back up Justin Herbert. I was going to say, he's jumping up the depth chart. He's, he's jumping over Chase Daniel. Who's going to give Chase Daniel the next 10-year, $900 million contract for doing nothing? He's out there. We'll wait till noon. We'll find out who's been tampering with Chase Daniel. <laughs> His tampering is going to start. Um, so, But for Carolina, like – I do think it's possible that they've made this move effectively just to have control over what happens from here on in, then figure it out from there. The problem is they lost DJ Moore to make it happen, and they have no wide receivers now, effectively. Oh, I mean, yeah, look. So whoever they have, they need to make something happen. Two two quick points here. I agree that the process is still ongoing at quarterback, right? What What is happening in NFL draft rooms right now? All the scouts who have been on these players for months – have their grades on players. The coaches have just started watching the right. players over the last few weeks. Scott Fitterer is the GM, right? As we always say, the GM is not just head scout. He is information gatherer. 
So just because there's a Josh McCown video out there who that he loves C.J. Stroud, he is literally one voice in a sea of voices. And he's been there five minutes. And he's been there five minutes. Now, it doesn't mean that other people aren't going to come to that same conclusion or that Josh McCown's voice as quarterback coach might hold more water, you know, you know, more weight than, than, than the others. But they're just starting this process, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, so there is a chance that that's what the Panthers have done. The other part, um, our friend Timo, you know, PFF Timo, PFF Moo, uh, he, was, he was viewing this from like a two-year viewpoint that the Panthers two years ago passing on Justin Fields when they needed a quarterback and picking J.C. Horn instead is why they're in this mess, right? The guy that they could have picked at the time is Justin Fields. That's the guy that they're that essentially gave the Bears the leverage to have all these picks. I don't know if looking at this from a two-year window is the is the right way to do this, but the Panthers are here now, and and basically Timo's Timo's uh, conclusion is this isn't worth it because of looking at it from that big window. It's not worth it unless they try for Anthony Richardson. Unless they try for the absolute home run. Do you think there's any merit to that? Because of the totality of all these moves, going up to get just a C.J. Stroud isn't going to be worth it. Even though, you know, we just, we just did our QB rankings last week and everything. I said, I'd love Stroud on a first contract. But Richardson's the guy with the perceived upside. If you take this type of swing, do you have to swing for the fences? Yeah, to me, this is my logic with the 49ers trading for, the, for Trey Lance. Um, I, Matt, or... Mac Jones, within that 49ers offense, I think would have done an extremely good job and really fit perfectly. But would you trade three first-round picks to get that guy? No. To me, if you're going to trade that kind of haul, and this is comparable, I guess, um, there has to be some insane upside to it. Otherwise, like I, I wouldn't trade this volume just to get an adequate starter at quarterback. So if you think the guy maxes out at adequate starter in the NFL, which is basically what we've been describing C.J. Shroud has. Now, maybe we're low on that, but the point being, if that is your evaluation, that this guy is solid, adequate, capable starter as a ceiling, then you, I can't see how this is worth it. But if you conclude that the guy's ceiling is, you know, top five NFL quarterback, and I think there's probably two guys in this draft that that is true for, Richardson and Bryce Young, that to me makes sense, to trade that amount for a guy that has that kind of upside. To me, I, like... If I was the GM, like if I'm making this move or if somebody's just dumped this move on me and said, this is what we just did, now choose who you're taking. You've limited the field from four quarterbacks to two with this move. Like I'm not interested in the guys that only have adequate upside because even if you hit that and he's just a solid starter, it still doesn't look like it's worth it when you like work out what you gave up for him. So to me, I would look at the two guys that have insane upside, which to me is not Levis and uh, Richardson. It's Richardson and Bryce Young. Richardson and Bryce Young. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I pose the question, is Bryce Young's upside limited? because of, Not because of the size, but just because maybe he's just not that level of prospect. You don't seem to care about well, that. I think he you is. Think he has the upside. Outside of the size. Like, if you get beyond the size, I mean, we said the other day, he might be the best um, anticipation thrower that's come into the draft in years. Like, I can't remember the last one that was better at that than he is. And that's one of the really the most important parts of playing quarterback. If you can read defenses, throw with anticipation, throw accurately, and you have enough arm, and by the way, you're pretty mobile and can, you know, do stuff with your legs, I mean, that's, a, that's ticking a lot of boxes. Like, if you didn't, if you simply didn't reach telling people how tall and how big he is, you would be describing the number one overall pick in a draft most years, right? 
Like you're essentially describing Patrick Mahomes, only carefully omitting the fact that instead of what six foot three, two hundred and twenty pounds, he's five ten, one eighty five. Yeah, it's going to be fascinating where the Panthers lean, right? Josh McCown's the one voice that we've actually heard based off one video, based off one game, like you said. He was pretty adamant about his love for C.J. Stroud, but do they do they play into the what Anthony Richardson could be? Do they play into, you know, add four inches of height to Bryce Young, and, and the whole story is different. The entire story is different yeah. because I think a lot of evaluators will come to the same conclusions on a lot of these quarterbacks. To me, that's the story of of QB draft season right here is I think a lot of evaluators are going to come to the same conclusions. What we're going to find out is how they value those things that maybe Bryce Young has the best film, but he's, but he's short that CJ Stroud is maybe, I hate using the phrase NFL, the most NFL ready, but CJ Stroud can come in. He's probably most as accurate as any quarterback in this league in the, in the draft that you trust him running the offense, but maybe his upside is limited because the comps are going to be Jared Goffian. And then Anthony Richardson, I think everybody's going to just describe his tape exactly the same, right? Incredible athlete, incredible arm, the flashes are awesome. Okay, what does that mean? Because the inconsistency is there. What does that actually mean? So I think we're going to – I think you're going to get similar scouting reports, and then it's a matter of where you value all those various things. The PFF NFL podcast is sponsored by Western and Southern Financial Group. While you focus on your roster moves, Western and Southern helps advance your money moves. Buying your first home, planning to start a family, wondering how to make your money grow? Well, Western and Southern's playbook of life insurance, investment, and retirement solutions helps you rest assured on game day. Team up to understand needs and address goals with a game plan built just for you. Get started at westernsouthern.com slash PFF. This is a great day. You can just focus on free agency while Western and Southern's taking care of you. One thing I think the Panthers should absolutely do um, is trade for Nuke Hopkins. Nuke, I think, is going to be available for quite a cheap pick when you think about it. Like, everyone's thinking second rounder. I don't think it's going to cost that. Look at what the wide receivers, veteran wide receivers with big contracts are going for. Like, Amari Cooper went for a fifth, was it? Um, because of the money. Right. I mean, that, that, that was why the, the Jalen Ramsey So, Nuke Hopkins yeah. has got a big contract attached to him still, even if it's more palatable now. I think you're going to be able to get him for a mid to low draft pick and he would immediately be the best wide receiver obviously on Carolina he'd be a true number one and okay he's 30 years old it's a short-term deal but if you're drafting a rookie quarterback those two years are important because if he doesn't have anybody to throw to he might not work out not because he isn't good enough but because he didn't have anybody to throw to so yes it's a short to medium term uh, outlook, but it's one that actually makes a long-term impact in helping whoever that rookie quarterback is actually be the guy, which is quite important. So, you know, if you look at what Carolina has left right now, you're not going to do any better than draft than trading a draft pick, whatever it is, for New Hopkins and installing him in that lineup. What a massive win! So, yeah, I think that makes sense. I think getting so that's getting out of the Bears. Yeah, what a massive win for the Bears, I was going to say, because of a two-point conversion, basically. A two-point conversion. The Texans. Two-point conversion. Oh, I see. Yes. To put the Bears in the number one overall spot. Right. I mean, we didn't overreact. We were having a lot of fun that last week of the season saying, hey, you know, playoffs are on the line and all that stuff. However, the draft is getting seriously impacted by the Texans and Bears games. The Bears didn't even play Justin Fields that last week. The Texans and Lovey Smith went out and won the game that uh, I'm sure the front office is like, no, please just hold on to the number one pick. Didn't happen. And now it's the Bears who get this massive haul. Yeah, I mean, it is 
it sounds silly, but you can trace back Philadelphia's current situation to that game where they kind of moved, you know, they, they pulled all their starters uh, to lose the game to move up in the draft, and that positioned them for a lot of the maneuvering that they were doing and, you know, was a big part of where they are right now. Um, this, is a, this was a really seismic win for Houston, which cost them the number one overall pick, which now means they do not have control over what quarterback they pick. And that was one thing when Chicago was sitting there with the number one overall pick, but obviously the Bears won out. They were now in position to get the kind of trade haul that they just got. They get it from Carolina. Now Carolina has control of that. So Houston still does not control who has that pick. They would have needed to trade with the Bears to get that, and that's dependent on what they can give. So Chicago decides the best thing we can do is trade down and trade down to number nine because that's the best trade offer on the table. So they get a first this year, the number nine. They get a second rounder. They get a future first, which is what I've been talking about the whole time. That's Justin Fields insurance. Yes, we believe in Justin Fields, but just to be sure, we're going to make sure we have two first round picks next year so that whatever happens, we can get that number one pick. And they pick up DJ Moore, so they've all of a sudden fixed their wide receiver core because they just added a quarterback-proof number one wide receiver to the room. For the Bears, that's an absolute home run. Like, that's a true jackpot that was dropped on them because the Texans fumbled losing a game that they should have lost. The, the DJ Moore part is so crucial, and I think you know, other people have caught on to this, right? The Bears have, by far, the most available cap space and there's a salary floor that you have to reach and all that stuff and we've talked a lot about how the free agent market is not great so getting an established player was crucial i think for the bears i honestly think that was the part maybe that that sold them going all the way to nine which the bears by the way were the ones like the bears asked for that specifically they're like all right here's your trade carolina came to them here's what we're offering whatever it was and ryan poles and this is Serious credit to him for maybe the first time like I've given him on this show. Um, he says, I want DJ Moore as part of this trade. Carolina didn't want to do it. One side blinked and it wasn't the Bears. So massive credit to Ryan Pauls because he came in there and said, we want DJ Moore, who has put up insane numbers with zero quarterbacks essentially so far, um, and is immediately – like that propels Justin Fields forward. Just that before you get to what they can do with the rest of those picks. For the last couple of years, DJ Moore, a guy that I know the, our PFF war numbers are tough to comprehend sometimes just in a vacuum, but basically a top 25 to 30 receiver, um, even higher in 2019, he was top 18. So he's been, again, one of the better receivers in the NFL. His production is going to be dependent on the quarterback. That level of value at receiver, there was maybe, I got I to gotta check the numbers, but there was probably a handful of rookies last year who brought that type of value to their team last, you know, just last season. Say like a Garrett Wilson, a Chris Olave. Um, if if uh, last year all I said was, hey, A.J. Brown was the most important player coming out of round one, D.J. Moore's not A.J. Brown's level or anything like that. But if you were just evaluating what is the return for a first-round player in the draft, and we do this a year from now, D.J. Moore will be in the top five, basically, when you take quarterbacks out of the equation. So I think what the Bears got – is a top five most valuable first-round pick, basically, in a player in DJ Moore next year. Plus, they still have the number nine overall pick. Um, and, and you get an established receiver like DJ Moore in a wide receiver class where 
you could still add someone else. We've I've already seen people looking at uh, Jackson Smith and Jigba as a potential pick for them at nine, and I wouldn't hate it. You know, you know me. Keep adding, you know, to the receiver room. So now you've got uh, Darnell Mooney there. You have Chase Claypool. Claypool that trade still looks bad, yeah. right? It's not a great. It's not. It's not good that Claypool went for the number thirty-two overall pick, but Claypool as the number three receiver is much better. I think there's still more to add when it comes to playmakers. And you still have the number nine overall pick. And the Bears are going to be in that, you know, Peter Skaronsky type of, you know, could he be the, you know, the, the Northwestern tackle that a lot of people like as a guard? Can they get that offensive lineman that they need? Can they get another defensive playmaker? And the other part of this is, the other winner, I, I'm not going to go on this tangent, but the other winner in this whole thing is Seattle, seating it at five. Um, if the Jalen Carter stuff gets sorted out and he still is a top five pick, Seattle now has their option probably of the second best non-quarterback in the draft, right? You have Arizona at three, who will choose the Will Anderson or Jalen Carter, the blue chip defensive prospect. they don't trade out. Assuming they don't trade out. But then Seattle at five probably gets the other guy. Um, and honestly, I think if they don't have to take Tyree Wilson, it's a win in Seattle. So I mean, anyway, the Bears, I think, did a great job to get DJ Moore in part because they had to spend this money and it is better to spend it on a DJ Moore who would have been by far the best free agent receiver oh, yeah. available in this That's the thing. There, there's, there's basically no free agent wide receiver that can do what Chicago needs to happen. And we've been talking about the problem with the wide receivers in this draft class is there's no, you know, Jamar Chase. There's no, like, number one X guy. So if that's what you want to add to this roster with Justin Fields, you cleared all this space for salary cap to be able to deploy it once you found a quarterback. You've decided Justin Fields is the guy. You're going to trade down. You're going to pick up a draft haul. But now, but you've got nowhere to spend the money because the wide receivers aren't there because Jacoby Myers is the best guy on the market. So you've either got to go trading for DeAndre Hopkins or whatever, or you've got to do something like this and snag a DJ Moore in a trade. I think it's a huge move for them. And, and it's like... It's a bit like the Amari Cooper deal. Is DJ Moore in a vacuum worth $20 million a year? Maybe. It's debatable, right? But you have that money to spend. You have to spend it, and your position of most acute need is somebody for your quarterback to throw to. So it makes perfect sense for the Bears to make that kind of deal. Like, he's absolutely worth it for them, even if he isn't worth it for another team. Um, So, like, I think this was basically as good a deal as Chicago, Chicago could have possibly been given. It takes all the boxes that I was looking for in a trade and actually had added one because I wasn't even thinking about, let's get a number one wide receiver in the deal. So they've got, you know, kept the first round pick. They've added a number one wide receiver. They got a first rounder next year for Justin Fields insurance just in case it doesn't work out. And they added additional second rounders and stuff. Like it's a it's an absolute home run for them. So now they've got the added draft capital. They already filled filled a need, so to speak, with DJ Moore. Um, there's still maybe more to do there, but you obviously don't have to force a receiver pick. I do think offensive line is absolutely in play at number nine. Uh, they need all the help they can get on the defensive side of the ball in Chicago. Uh, let me just throw a quick wrench in there, though. What if? What if at number nine the Bears want to talk themselves into uh, B. John Robinson? Why would you do that? The only teams that I've said that I would potentially want the home run hitter at running back is the team. I'm I'm not suggesting this. I'm trying to see if the Bears might talk themselves into this thing. Because you know, we've we've done a lot of this talk this offseason. GMs just look at their roster. It's like, I have a hole at this position, in this position, this position, take the best player. 
changed. I'm not suggesting this. I'm just. So here's the thing. The Bears, Bears fans are so excited right now. Just you know, throw a little, little cold water in their excitement that B. John Robinson could be in play at nine because they're going to say, look at him in the backfield with Justin Fields. Mm. There's multiple elements to the B. John Robinson thing, right? The first one is look at the rookie contracts for running backs and determine at what point it is not actually good value, even if he's really good. To me, that's somewhere around pick six, pick seven in the top ten. But if it's lower than that, I think it's a very reasonable contract, even, you know, overall. Like, even when you consider how much you're paying him. They get quite expensive in the top ten, but, like, even seven, eight, nine, like, those are fine if the guy's really good. So I can be talked into the idea that Bijan Robinson at number nine is actually fair value for how good he's likely to be. But the second element is the important one for Chicago, which is what is the opportunity cost when you draft the guy at that spot? Every other position. Right. Yes. So it's what are you leaving on the table to draft Bijan Robinson at that particular pick? And that's when I think the team that's drafting him makes a lot of difference because you look at Chicago and we just concluded they tore this thing down. They need basically everything and they still have a top 10 draft pick to spend, at which point you shouldn't be drafting Bijan Robinson in the top 10. If you were a team that like had you know, an incredibly complete roster and you somehow, like the Eagles with their two first round draft picks, now they've got some work to do in free agency. They got to restock some positions that they're losing. But let's say they do that and the Eagles go into this draft with basically needing to pick for depth and future proofing and stuff that would be less crazy because they're not giving up that much to take him. They, you know, in terms of opportunity loss, they've already patched their holes. But for Chicago, I think that would be leaving a massive impact addition on the table somewhere. Yeah, so I was, I was mostly just playing around. I mean, I hope they're not going to go Bijan Robinson at nine. I do think Peter Skaronsky from Northwestern makes a ton of sense, um, similar to like a Cody Whitehair who's been in Chicago for well, the listen, last few let's, years. Let's, die, let's fire up the uh, Oh, the we're going to go mock him. him? Let's do a mock for them. All right, let's do it. Um, before you get to the mock draft, though, okay. I think the other most important thing for the Bears is what I would suggest every team does, is try to live in this idealistic world where you going, go into the draft with, as, with no needs, well, yeah. but as That's few needs as possible. So let's do a three-round three mock for them, right? Which gives you okay. nine. This is gonna We have over 1,100 people. Let's get to 2,000 people watching us live. That'd be a big milestone for us. Can we just double who's in the chat here? Tell your friends. Let's go. <laughs> For cool Chicago, line. that gives you picks 9, 54, 61, and 64 after this trade. So let's fire it. So I just fired it up. Let's see what the actual mock draft sim does so that I'm not reading out players that don't exist for us. Who do the Panthers go at one? Well, that's, that's do what they we're going to Do they go Richardson? See. What do we got? Scroll up. How did it look? Bryce Young. Bryce Young, Panthers Anthony Bryce. Richardson, Tyree Wilson, CJ Stroud, Jalen Carter. Uh, that's Will Christian. Anderson just went at eight. Now, if – if I had the opportunity here, I might trade up to trade eight, eight to get Will Anderson. I think I would do that. Maybe yes. one spot up to get Will Anderson, but they didn't do it. So they have Devin Witherspoon, our number one cornerback. They have their choice of the best wide receiver off the board. They have their choice of all the best offensive linemen, right? Um, they would be at edge number two. They would be at Kalijah Kansi, the defensive tackle, who's getting top 10 buzz at this point in the draft. Um, I was just uh, I was just watching some Brian Branch film last night. Yeah, top ten player in the draft. Oh yeah, Brian Branch, top ten non quarterback in the Look draft. I mean, I know that the board uh, agrees too, but he's going to be. I'm in on Brian Branch. 
Okay. I have a type. He's Sam. your new uh, Jaquan Brisker. You can pair him next to Jaquan Brisker. Yep. Last year I liked Brisker. I like him better than Brisker. I, better than Brisker. Yeah. Wow. He's. Um, I have a type. I was, I was talking to uh, Ben Stockwell on the side. I was yeah. like, watch Brian Branch play the run. My type is every Tyron Matthew, Rondé Barber slot that can play Hybrid. some safety, play Hi, the yeah. run, tight end extra racer. linebacker, tight end eraser, extra linebacker on the field. Brian Branch is, uh, is a dude. Okay, so who are we taking for Chicago? Do we all, go corner, all that said, wide I'm, receiver, offensive line, or defensive line? They've got the choice of a lot of things here. I'm tempted by Skaronsky here. And you would play him where? I would probably start him at right tackle. Uh, left or right tackle, whatever you think of Braxton I think, Jones. I think Jones is good. I mean, Jones, for where he was, ex- what he was expected to do as a rookie, played very well year yeah. one. That, to me, has earned year two to see what kind of development so, he So that's have. Braxton Jones, fifth-round rookie, um, played well, was good in the run game, protected in the pass game, and wasn't sure. great as a pass blocker. Skaronsky at right tackle makes a lot of sense, and then if he fails at right tackle, you can move him into guard, and you still get an upgrade because your guards aren't great. Um, Tevin Jenkins was fine at right guard. I think he's still pretty good. Yeah, Whitehair has been very inconsistent. And kind very of inconsistent. Of so Skaronsky at right tackle with a backup plan of left guard makes a lot of sense to me. Should we do that? Yeah, let's go Skaronsky. Can we get the, uh, the MDS fired up here? We're going to go Peter Skaronsky out of Northwestern. Mm-hmm. Now we I'm, still te- you know, I'm always tempted by the shiny objects, though, the receivers sitting there. Even a Quinton Johnston, who I don't love. Right. But adding that type of size-speed mismatch to that group. Oh, look, Renner's number one QB, Tanner McKee. Yeah, there he Somebody is. suggested we get Renner on the show to justify his batshit take on Tanner McKee. We'll give him two minutes. Right, worth doing it. We'll point. give him two minutes to explain uh, Tanner McKee. So <clears throat> the top guys here, you got Diane Henley from uh, Washington State, linebacker that is uh, very athletic uh-huh. and fits a need. Speaking of very athletic. Um, I haven't said his name live yet. That's why I was taking a sip of coffee to hope you pick up the mantle there and give it a shot. Uh, I can't even read the screen right now. My eyes are getting I think his second name is Adabare. What is it? I think his second name is Adabare. Adabare. I've seen it written that way phonetically. Adabare from Northwestern. Yes. Um, I don't want to... Remember, around a 4-4-40. Understood. I don't want to give too much away. The draft model's not in. Really? Not in Not in Adabare. I need to see him. I believe I have him. I have it run as an edge. I have to see if I run it as a D tackle. Yeah, I got to put him inside. Let me let me double check that. That's not an edge. It's um. So anyway, he's the there. model does not care about his forty times whatsoever. <laughs> so athletic, athletic linebacker, athletic defensive tackle. We've got Tank Dell, who sadly weighs like hundred and seven pounds, uh, but is lightning quick, really good at the senior ball, uh, speedy receiver. The guy, our guy, Sam Laporta, who's now my guy after the combine, having not liked his tape before it, is sitting there tight end. You like him after the combine because he was athletic? No, he just looked good. Like, he caught the ball well. I didn't, he, he fought the ball a lot in his tape. I didn't like it. And then he caught, looked really smooth. Positional combine. drills. You were watching positional drills. I was. Drills. Andre Carter there, the edge that had a pretty crappy uh, combine. He did. Um, who else was there? It's interesting. Nick Herbig, the edge rusher from Wisconsin. I do like him. I don't know if he stays at that at that position. There. Hodges Tomlinson, the cornerback from TCU, who is uh, – I'd get him later. Who I'd is LT's nephew. Zach what? Charbonnet, the running back. There's your uh, – your sort of – your not your – your alternative to Bijan is coming back in the second. Charbonnet, for yeah. sure. I'm going to wait a little bit on running backs still. You know that. Uh, one of the fascinating names there is Carl Brooks from Bowling Green. He's mm-hmm. one of your edge DI type of hybrids. Was not invited to the combine. Every year there's like Haters. one or two players that are an egregious combine snub, unless there's something I'm, I'm missing here. Right. Carl Brooks was one of those guys. 
Um, let me see if I have some Joe Tipman information here. If would you double up on the O line? Uh, Tipman's a potential center that could step in because Lucas Patrick and Sam Mustafer are the two centers here for the Bears. Would you double up potentially on the offensive line? So when you look at those players, um, I would argue that. Tank Dell is kind of redundant given what they have in that receiving court now, much as I like him. Um, I would argue, again, Sam Laporta is kind of redundant given they have Cole Komet, different types of tight end, but I don't think you necessarily want to overload that position. They haven't shown that they've got a ton of um, desire to do that. I would try and add a defensive lineman to that group. So the question would be at Abare at, on the inside, Andre Carter on the edge, um, your guy, Carl, Brook, Carl Brooks, Nick Herbig, one of those guys would be where I would be targeting. I don't think those. I don't think Brooks or Herbig go as high as we have them. I feel like we're going to be higher on them. So I'm going to play the play the board here. Um, I say absent. Is of Jack the, Campbell still on the board from Iowa? I don't know. He must have been taken. He's got to have been taken by now. I think. I mean, if if Campbell, the Iowa linebacker, I can't see. I can't read. There you go. Yeah, there he's he is. Gone. So he has been taken. That. I just think in real life he might be a guy that is a really good fit for the Bears. All right, let's um, – I'm sorry, Luke Whip, uh, Whippler, I'm sorry, from Ohio State is the top center on the board. Would you double up on O-line? I'd consider it, but I think defensive line is a bigger need at this point. Okay. I mean, look, I, as I much – I just don't love either of those guys. I'm just saying, absent an update of the model, I would be very tempted by a defensive tackle that runs a 4-4. All right, fine. Let's take Adabari, the Northwestern defensive tackle. We'll go Adabari. And figure out how to use a guy with 4-4 speed on this the thing. defensive front. Right. See, there you go. Now you got the same pick anyway. Now you can. Where are we now? Well, we're pretty much where we were. So what was that last pick? They're at 61. 54, uh, 51, 61, 61, and then okay. 64. So we got three picks in like 10, 10 spots. You can grab Whippler. All right. Luke Whippler. Top center on the board here. Now we've got two offensive. We're we're going to the trenches, right? Yeah. We're going like we're, we're building, we're building from the inside the out. Football, look at this. Look at all these guys picks. would love this. Look at all these picks in a row that they have. So now we're the top of round three. Yeah, where are we with going? With the here? Bears. Listen, I don't care if tank down. receivers aren't redundant. There's no such thing. Really? Receivers are playmakers. Even with Darnell Mooney already there. Yeah, because Mooney's going to want a payday in a couple of years. Is he? In Moon, yes. Yes, he's Who's got um, two years left or one year left on his deal. Where's my, where's my depth chart here? So Mooney, yes, Mooney's got one. Where he's heading into the last year of his contract. Mooney is a good player, yeah. but like a Deontay Johnson, he's probably going to want to make eighteen, twenty million dollars a year, and I don't like that at all. So I'm doing. You always say we future proof. Tank Dell is future proofing this roster with speed and quicks and. In the short term, that speed and quicks, jet sweep game, and all the stuff, all that, all the misdirection that we can create with Justin Fields, the runner, Tank Dell plays plays that plays that role. Look, I love Tank Dell, so you're not gonna have to convince me too hard that we should draft him for any team, particularly at this spot, like at the bottom of the second, top of the third round. So I'm in. Let's draft. Uh, let's draft Tank Dell. We're getting Tank Dell. I'll be done. Future-proofing the wide receiver room. Do we have any more thirds, or is that it I think for Chicago? I think we have a third. All um, right, so we'll tweet this out but we have from, one of our, now. from one of our Twitter accounts. So that's that key spot. And the Bears have 54 through whatever the first pick of the third round is, 63. There we go, 64. we got an A. 54 through 64, they've got those three picks. In reality – We aced it. We got an A. We got an A. Look at that. 
Look at us fixing the Bears. We got some trench. We got the trenches, and we got a playmaker. I don't know about your model, but the PFF uh, mock draft sim loved the Atabari. Well, I mean, there were much smarter people running that, so that was good. Yeah. We did, uh, we did a good job for the Bears. And they have DJ Moore. They do. Throw DJ Moore into that. As your number one pick. Did you, the see, the, uh, did you see that tweet that uh, uh, Jim Nagy had about Tank Dell's release off the line? Yes. The senior ball? Yes, he did the, the crisscross. Yeah. I don't know what the hell that was, but it was nasty. He did a, he did a crisscross with his legs. It yeah. wasn't like a, a jump stop. It was a legitimate like uh, hopscotch move. Right. To and then mess up corner. That's just like, man, that's special stuff. Well, then released inside and then broke outside, and the poor corner literally fell over. Like that guy, not only was he the guy yeah. on tape for like a move that nobody's ever seen before, but even after that, he had a crappy rep. It's like, <laughs> that's just worst possible scenario for poor cornerback against Tank Dell. And you use the phrase redundant. I mean, that look, he's redundant. I, Tank Dell's combine, it's not that it was bad, but it wasn't good. And to me, when I watched those wide receivers, he was my favorite of those really small wide receivers. So him, Josh Downs, and uh, Zay Flowers. Those are three guys that were a lot of people were kind of talking up. Um, he was my favorite of those three. But he's also the smallest of the three yeah. and didn't have a great combine. Now, he ran like a 4-4. Four, four. He ran the, four, the exact same 40 time as Adabare, the defensive tackle, Oh, just get a bunch Both of 449, four, four, only he weighs like 120 pounds less. But he did have like a 1-4 something 10-yard uh, split, which is legitimately lightning fast. So I don't quite know what to do with that, but he didn't have the kind of combine you would like to, ha to see from a guy that weighs like 155 pounds. You know what I mean? I got you. I can't run the model right now because my computer sounds like an airplane. It does. Or a lawnmower. Yeah. So I need to... That's not helping the buzz. I need to shut this thing down here. Let us know in the chat if you can hear my laptop trying to fire up some uh, one spreadsheet, some modeling. Yeah. Hey, I figured I figured out the thing the other day to get uh, to get all the, the data extra in. rows. Yeah. <laughs> Needed more than a million rows in Excel. I got some got the tricks up my sleeve. Got when are you gonna stuff. migrate to you know R and do it properly? Like, oh, like I don't true know. Math nerd. We're Python over here. Oh, We're Python. To, yeah, PFF's moving to Python so that does we does that can, have a uh, does that have a Python can handle it. That easily. has a row limit. Uh, yeah, Python could absolutely. So anyway, I think that was things. a pretty good result from Chicago. Again, when you consider, like, add DJ Moore to that and say that's your draft. Just through three rounds. Right. And he didn't even have a third rounder as far as I can tell. That was the third round. That was the first pick in the third First round. pick in the third. Okay. They so don't have anything else beyond that. But they also have a bunch of day three picks. Yeah. And there's a lot. And that's before they start spending but, some of their money. Right. So after that, you know, they, before yeah, DJ Moore. we know yeah, what yeah. they get. But, like. Without, yeah, without touching free agency, Chicago have added two Justin Fields. We've given him two offensive linemen, theoretical starters. We've given him an impact, the again, this is all theory because it's a draft, an impact defensive lineman, a dude that can run a 4-4, um, and a speedy wide receiver that's apparently got nasty releases off the line in addition to being, you know, small gimmick type of guy, and a number one wide receiver. So you've got two receivers, two offensive linemen, and we've got you a defensive lineman, you know, forget that. That's not really affecting Justin Fields. But And we have a 4-4 defensive lineman added to the mix as well. That's before you've even gone near free agency and spent any real money. I, I also, I would look at that second round of edge defenders. I don't love it. I know we've heard that the edge class is deep. I don't know if there's going to be a good group available in round two there. And that's why you play the whole market thing. Would the Bears be one of the teams to, to throw the bag at Marcus Davenport mm -hmm. ahead of time, right? Because right. you're not going to get Will Anderson probably at nine. 
you might think you're going to get the lineman there. So that's how you play this game, right? I'm all about the second group of second tier of offensive linemen and free agency. But in this case, maybe you spend the money on Davenport, you get a Skaronsky in the first round yep. or uh, Paris Johnson, and now you you know fill those holes before you get there. I'm all for it. All right. So the look, the bottom line is. The Panthers, Panthers fans should be excited because you're going to have some young quarterback coming in there. Your choice. Probably. And Bears fans should be really excited because they're uh, Ryan Pohl's main job when he came in for Ryan Pace was to clear the cap space, add the draft capital, put well, yourself in position to rebuild this thing. That Strip was it for parts, as you would say. Yeah, that was certainly the job he decided he was there for. I mean, I, I, I agree. I think that was the job he was supposed to supposed to but uh, the point being like now is the time you go in the opposite direction like you strip this thing down to bare metal now you got to start rebuilding it and put the panels back on and this is what they're doing so dj moore pretty big panel added to this whole thing um and that draft hall showed you the kind of thing you can get for just moving down eight spots in the first round like they were they weren't in the quarterback market so the fact that there's four quarterbacks likely to go in the top 10 massively helps chicago because they can trade back to nine and essentially only be risking losing four players. It's huge. And that's the kind of haul they can get out of it. All right. Good job, Bears. We spent a lot of time on you. Let's get to Jalen Ramsey. Jalen Ramsey yesterday traded from the Los Angeles Rams to the Miami Dolphins for a third-round pick and Hunter Long. Former uh, pretty good tight end prospect. That underrated tight end prospect who's done nothing at the NFL level so far. I need so our friend of the show, Jordan Rodrigue. Um, I think probably the best beat writer around at the moment, just period, any team, whatever. Like she consistently has really good in-depth, interesting articles about, you know, the way things happened or how whatever situation unfolded, blah, blah, blah. Incredible storytelling. She's always yeah. looking for incredible stories and she's done a great job. With and that consistently sure. gets really good insight and sort of background information on a lot of this stuff, um, including the Jalen Ramsey thing. Like she's been tweeting through it and, and illustrating kind of what's gone on, how it's worked, et cetera. I need to hear the, the oral history. I need the story of how we, we got to this player edition. You know, who decided that your former Boston College tight end who's done nothing in the NFL needs to be a part of this trade. And how did that work? I need that story. Because, you know, the Jalen Ramsey thing, what are we going to work out, blah, blah, blah. This is all, this is just tinkering with the deal. But who made that addition? Why? And how much conversation went into it? So Hunter Long was a productive tight end at Boston College. He's only played 271 snaps, including special teams. (laughs) <laughs> at the NFL level. Yeah. I think it's a great buy low on a former third-round pick. I think the oral history is probably, hey, we like this guy coming out of college. Haven't seen much of him at the NFL level. Let's, you know, we the Rams often have three tight ends who get involved. And uh, Bryson Hopkins and Tyler Higbee both head into the last year of their contract. Throw, throw Hunter Long in there. It's not doing anything for you in Miami. <laughs> it's not like he's busy. It's not doing anything. Throw him in. Yeah, I'll have to get Jordan. I need that. I need there. it. I need it. So Miami, for the second year in a row, trading for a top three player at his respective position and maybe the best player at yeah. his respective position. Last year, Tyreek Hill. This year, Jamie I saw RG3 tweeting that, you know, now Miami has two number one wide receivers and they have two number one cornerbacks. Um, you know, on offense, you got to deal with Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle, And on defense, you got to deal with Xavier uh, Howard and now Jalen Ramsey. Now, it, by the way, 
Miami had. Do we have anything official from Byron Jones yet? He's. They cut him, didn't they? Did they cut him? Okay, yeah. I missed that. I missed that news because Byron. I, I, well, I saw, only saw him tweeting that his NFL, like, looking oh, yeah. at his NFL He's, career in hindsight. Yes. Um, and how the Dolphins screwed him over and he can't walk, um, which is a whole whole different story. But Byron Jones was the guy that Miami invested a ton of money in a couple of years ago. Basically, didn't you know played one year, was okay, missed all of last season. But yeah, now we're talking about Xavier Howard and Jalen Ramsey, um, and Vic Fangio mm. coming over. Right, Miami's making power moves everywhere here because Vic remember, Fangio is the most one of the most coveted defensive coordinators of the last ten years. Remember, they traded for Bradley Chubb last season as well. They did. So that's a first round pick in addition to that. Like they, Rams East. Yeah, that's the yeah. thing. All of a sudden, they've quietly gone about this sort of well, let's do it the Rams way. They have. So look, when we we've done so much Rams analysis the last couple of years, because it, you know there's a there's a handful of teams that just do things differently at an extreme level. The Saints, the Rams, and the Rams always being aggressive, not having a first-round pick for the last seven years, F them picks and the whole story, all that, all that fun stuff. And they, they spun it into a Super Bowl, right? Even if they hadn't spun it into a Super Bowl, they they did have a good five-year stretch, as Kevin Demoff yeah. said on our panel. They and got other to people, two of them. They've had a good stretch of think, play. Didn't was the stat that they won more games during that five-year run than anybody else? In the like NFC, that? I believe. Oh, the NFC, okay. Yeah. Um, so right. they've had a good Jeez. stretch. Yeah. And um, the, we'll talk about the Rams in a minute because I, I wasn't expecting a full rebuild with the Rams. I didn't think that well, that was going to I don't know that we quite got to one either. Like the, the Ramsey trade. So there's like four or five guys that have been talked about as being traded away from the Rams. And it's, by the way, the four or five guys that are on the most money and have been the building blocks, cornerstones of this entire thing. It's like... The stars and scrubs approach, anyone that was in the stars bucket is on the trade block, depending on who you read. Except Donald, right? right? Yeah, uh, no, he, I've seen him on the list as well. But the point being, anyone that was in that category has been reported as being available, essentially, to various places. Now, how legitimate those reports are, I think, are entirely debatable. Like when we had Brad on last time, I don't think there's any possible way they can move Matthew Stafford because of the dead cap hit. Like it would be... It would, be a, it would be the kind of detonation that the Falcons did to the roster with the kind of dead money that you're chewing up by moving Matthew Stafford, even independent of figuring out, like, who wants a quarterback that's old and has potentially no arm left. Um, so that aside, the Ramsey deal was the one that sort of made sense to move. He's the one that hasn't had any money moved around or adjusted from the contract that he signed when they traded for him like that was the deal sort of that was waiting to be potentially moved on from so it's the it's the only move this offseason for them that they can make trade-wise that I think doesn't necessarily signify any massive tear down and rebuild of the Rams but it does it's a sort of interesting symmetry of not symmetry um it gets an interesting imagery of handing the baton, you know, the Rams, the FM picks, all in type of trade everything for proven NFL players. They're kind of getting out of that right now, apparently, to the Dolphins, who seem to have picked up that mantle and are all too willing to continue doing it. Well, let's add in subsequent seasons a number one wide receiver. We added an edge rusher. We're adding a number one corner right now. Like, they're, they're stocking up via trade as opposed to not that they haven't gone by the draft, but they've also t- sunk big money into Toronto Armstead and free agency, uh, Connor Williams and free agency as well. This is a team that, that seems to covet um, proven NFL commodities. Maybe not over, 
draft picks because they've had quite a lot of draft picks because of other moves that they've made. Uh, but certainly they seem to value that a lot in today's landscape. I wonder if – so I want to talk about from the Dolphins' point of view. I wonder if the Rams are just pivoting because this is just where they are in their in their lifespan, right? Are they – they would still compete next year with this team if they kept some yeah. of these guys. They would still be – I understand the Bobby Wagner move. I, I didn't think that the Bobby Wagner move was this – the the start of this fire sale no but they could have stuck with Ramsey and Donald and you've got Cup back and you've got Stafford it's still a wide open NFC I don't think the Rams even with this trade I don't think the Rams are dead no any so this is as far as you can go I think without signifying that any additional move here signifies the rebuild this one but then it doesn't doesn't even make sense having Stafford on the roster no but you can't like you're basically stuck with it I understand but like you still have a chance like Stafford keeps them in the, in the window, as they like to talk. But Stafford's in the window. Yes, they had Stafford last year for mo- they stunk with Stafford until he got hurt. Yeah, but you could you could rebuild it with the draft and second. You could do it with the way other teams are doing it. The point with second wave of free agency and not flashy players, like I think you could do it differently. I think that's where the Rams are, though. I mean, I think if you build a team that's good again, Stafford keeps you in the window. I don't think Stafford keeps you in the window just for being Stafford. Like, if the team isn't there, the team isn't there. Stafford isn't dragging it somewhere. I mean, surely, like, the Detroit Lions, the hit part of his career should probably show you that. Like, Stafford isn't keeping you in a window just because he's there. You do need the team around him, which is why... When you put him on the Rams and all of a sudden they had the team around him, now you're a Super Bowl contender. No, I get it. Um, I do wonder if the Rams are just pivoting the same way, you know, the, the Moneyball book. You did, what, what do you know about Moneyball? Did you watch the movie? Yes. Okay. Great. So that. The, so the whole, you know, the, the point of Moneyball was undervalued assets, obviously. Yeah. Um, but the, the thing that the A's thought was an advantage was college players and on-base percentage. And then within five years, they were drafting high school players all the time, right? And people who only think, in, you know, in this society, people who only think in, you know, uh, binary, binary thinking, black and white, it's like, why are the A's, the A's said that they would never draft high school players. They would never do that. They're college players only. And it's like, well, that's just the way the market moved. Are the Rams seeing other teams want to be the Rams now? And they're like, all right, now we pivot. Now we're actually going to build through the draft. And now we're going to adjust. They are now the A's. Drafting high school players. So that was a that was another interesting thing that came out of your Sloan panel that we I don't think we touched on was I think Demoff said this repeatedly. By the way, it's only after, you know, comparing my notes and talking about it that Demoff was the only person on that panel that said anything interesting. You know? Well, you you aside. Oh, I'm, thank I'm, you. I'm I thought you were you. No, I no, thought no. you were just straight up insulting like, me to my face. No, no, no. Again. I mean I'll do that in other point points of the podcast. Okay. But thanks. specifically, like it was Thomas Dimitrov, you know, Jackie um, Kevin Demoff, everything of interest came from Demoff. The other, nothing of the, from the other two. No additional pieces of information, nothing that was fascinating, no like radical pieces of thought. Just, eh, next. What's the next interesting thing Demoff said? So one of the things he said that I think is a good point, which is they, he, he seemed to be thinking a lot. I think he brought this up multiple times that you don't want to be jumping on the trend after it's been a trend for a couple of years. You want to be leading that and then moving on to the next thing. So, But there were two parts of that. One, you don't want to be late to the trend. And two, he seemed to be also very sure or indicating that at some point you want to find the next trend. Like you don't keep writing the thing yes. until it shifts. You want to find the, the shift before everybody else. So even if this was still working, it feels like they would 
if, he, if they worked to that mode of thought, they would be looking to shift whether or not it was still functioning. You know what I mean? I agree. They've just decided yes. this is the lifespan of this particular trend. Now it's time to move in a different direction, whatever that direction is, because we have to be ahead of the trend. We can't be looking. We can't even just be maintaining where we are. We have to be pushing the envelope and finding the next cutting edge. I, I completely agree because this every year you hear this ridiculous phrase, oh, it's a copycat league. And I've, uh, I've got some Twitter receipts out there. I'm like, no, no, the, the, the innovators. You want to be the innovator, not the copycat, right? You want to be first to, yeah, uh, I, to the trends. I, only, I, I completely agree with that. See, I kind of agree with half of it. I think it's right that you don't want to be late to the trend. Like if you're jumping on this thing a bunch of years after it's already been done, you're probably just too far behind the curve to get any use out of it anyway. I'm not sure, though, that you want to take that to the other extreme or the other end of it and say, you definitely like you should go away from something that's working really well just because it's the trend right now. Like Vic Fangio shouldn't go, well, everyone is running my defense now, so it's time to go cover one. You know, yeah, what it I mean? depends on what you copy. I agree. So it depends on what you copy. Like, so that that's the part where I would question it's like, I don't know. Like, if this thing's working and it has been working, okay, it didn't work last year because everybody got hurt, but I don't think that's like an indication of the fundamental weakness of this approach. Like, I don't think you jump away from this just because you think it's time to move and go in a new direction. Like, if this is the way you think works, move it until you see signs that suggest, like, uh-oh, the league is caught on or this is no longer an edge. And maybe that's true with this because all of a sudden everybody's looking for trades, right? Miami, like last year, is an indication of, wow, maybe everybody is looking to do what the Rams are doing right now and therefore – you're not getting surplus value from any trade you make the way you might have been when nobody was trading for people. So maybe this is the case, and they're actually smart, and this is the time to jump off. But that would be my question. Like, I, I would be careful about going away from something that's working just because you think it's time, as opposed to we have definitely found like leading indicators that this is the way to go. So I, I, I love this move from Miami. I want to talk about them for a second. But from a Rams perspective successful tenure with Jalen Ramsey on your team. Last three years, most valuable corner in the league by a mile, played multiple roles. They got him in the middle of 2018 from the Jaguars, a couple first rounders that they gave up. I think it was well worth it. That was part of the the market inefficiency that the Rams were trying to exploit was picking at 25. Isn't is The hit rate is not great. Therefore, let's get the proven commodity. They got the proven commodity at one of the most valuable positions in football, and they got one of the best players at his position. And now getting out from under a tough contract, yeah. um, which Miami just fully guaranteed for the next two years, getting out from under the contract of Ramsey, getting the four and a half years of service out of him, getting a third rounder back, might not feel great only having a third rounder coming back for someone as great as Jalen Ramsey. But again, I think the tenure, the move was worth it. And I, I don't know how much it's worth to look at the moves from start to finish. I think over time, it's probably good. Um, but from start to finish, this move for the Rams was awesome. Yeah, my only question for them is, okay, now you've made this shift, you've traded away Jalen Ramsey, who was a really important part of that defense, what do you do to replace him? So they probably like Kobe Durant as one of their starting corners. He played, he's, he's flashed when he's played, and they liked him, I think, as a prospect when they got him, but he's your number one corner right now. And because you didn't get that much back in the trade for Jalen Ramsey, you're not working with a high draft pick here. So... Pick number 36 is the Rams' first draft pick. And then they don't pick again until 69, 77, 136. Like, 
this is not a team tremendously well positioned to draft a cornerback to come in and start. Um, do you turn to free agency, which is a weird group of corners where they're either sort of young and not great or they're old and great? Like, do you want to get into that market? Like, this, I, how they go about replacing Jalen Ramsey is going to be interesting to watch because I think that signifies what they're planning in the next couple of years. I agree. They, they have never been a second-tier free agency type of team, right? They've been a, you know, we're going to go Bobby Wagner when you weren't expecting. We're going to go big names. Do they start to go second wave of free agency type of players? Cam Sutton's of the world. Cam Sutton is one of those outside slot players who's a Jalen Ramsey light light, right? Well, you might be able to get light light. Yeah, like similar production for pennies on the dollar. I don't know if they go that route, but that would that those are the types of things that would signify change for the Rams, where they start to do what we said that the Bengals did really well, right? Which is basically get two offensive, get two starting offensive linemen for the price of one big name offensive lineman last year, where the Bengals got two starters for about 15 million per year. Instead of spending that all on one player, you spend it on two. If the Rams start going that route to kind of, you know, fix a few of the holes and then they get into free agency and that's where, I'm sorry, then they get into the draft and then it's like, all right, we got to draft well. I mean, that's the, the strategy with the Rams is they got to draft well. They do. More draft picks, <laughs> rounds two through seven, and you have to draft well, you know, to get the to get the roster back. But, but I think we'll get an idea of what they're planning based off how they approach cornerback in free agency, like who they go after. Because I assume they're going to add a body, whatever it is. It's just a case of what sort of status that guy has that's probably going to indicate whether they think they're competing this year or not. Um, for Miami, is this a case of – like, do they firmly believe they're in a window as long as they have Tua right now? And in the AFC, this is the only way to compete. Like, arms race. This is just a continuation from last year when everybody was involved in this crazy offseason arms race in the AFC. You look at the quarterbacks involved in the AFC playoff race this past year and what's presumably going to be the, the forecast sort of going forward. Like, what can you do other than keep swinging with giant roster additions and, and hope you're on the right track. Let's discuss what Miami has here then. Jalen Ramsey and Xavier Howard. Uh, Howard, we didn't have him with his best season last year. I think he's always been uh, a little boomer bust, right? A guy that was, we would always argue with Miami fans, much like we argued with uh, Cowboys fans when Trayvon Diggs had all those interceptions. A corner who's so dependent on interceptions, but gives up a lot of yards. You know, it's tough to say, hey, this guy's elite, but there's been years where Xavier Howard had 10 picks and other years we only had three, like last year. But either way, the high end of Xavier Howard, we said this coming out of Baylor, the high end looked like Richard Sherman at times, right? Mm -hmm. he's, he's a boomer bust type of player. But now you've got maybe less pressure on him because of Ramsey. I know uh, uh, Fangio's scheme, they're not going to do a whole lot of man coverage. They're not going to do a whole lot of matching up. But Ramsey played in the slot a lot yeah. in, the, in, in a zone-heavy system where he's like an extra linebacker out there and, and – so Ramsey brings a little bit of flexibility there where you can do all sorts of different things with these two corners, if you choose to. Well, that's the thing. How Vic Fangio decides to deploy Jalen Ramsey is going to be really interesting to watch. Hey, look, Brad's in the building. Brad Spielberger, fresh off the plane. We're just going to bring him right in. What's going on, fellas? Hey, Brad. What's up, Brad? How's it going? Welcome. How are we, we doing? We spent about 30 minutes on the Bears. Love it. Breaking down the Bears. We gave him a little three-round mock draft. Okay. And, okay. Uh, we'll have to. Uh, we'll have to get that. I don't know if we can get that image back. We can get Brad's immediate reaction. Right, Let's, we'll circle back to that though. Okay. We're talking Jalen Ramsey right now. Love it. And um, and what he's going to do. So there's your mic. Get set up. 
This yeah. is what we're doing this week. Three man, right? Three man show here. Reactions Welcome. to all kinds of crazy. There you go, Brad. There's uh, the little the little mock draft we did for Chicago. Yeah. In the, addition, obviously, to getting DJ Moore in the trade. The local flavor, the back to back Northwestern, I love. Uh, I think Adeya Deboara, especially with the prices we're hearing on these three techs. Um, if teams view him as a guy you can move inside, which I think they do, especially after his testing, I think that makes a lot of sense. See, look, he did the Ade. You just you just ignore Ade. the rest. Ade, Adebore. Adebore. Yeah. I guess. Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Vyadaris, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcast. So, um, yeah, we got, they went to the trenches and then uh, Playmaker and Tank Dell. Yeah, so circling back to the Jalen Ramsey thing, like how Vic Fangio specifically deploys Jalen Ramsey, I think is going to be really interesting because the Rams had two different Jalen Ramseys, effectively. They played him as this outside perimeter, number one corner to start with, and then they shifted him inside to try and get him more involved in, you know, as many plays as humanly possible. Vic Fangio obviously runs that very specific style of defense. I don't know that he's ever had a player like Jalen Ramsey or a player like certainly version two of Jalen Ramsey and whether he wants to embrace that guy and make him you know sort of Charles Woodson Green Bay Packers type of player or whether he just wants like a high-end zone corner opposite another high-end zone corner you can see the grades on the screen there 86 PFF grade only a 77.8 in coverage we had some discussion with um, the, the guy who hosted our panel Seth Walder over at ESPN, some of their coverage numbers and some of our the raw coverage stats against Ramsey weren't as good last year. Right. And I explained it by, first off, he had a 91 run defense grade. Best because, in the NFL. Best in the NFL because he was legitimately playing like a linebacker last year for the Rams. And then the other thing, you know, the, the coverage grades that are just, that, that do focus on non-targets and, you know, did you create, did you allow separation and all that fun stuff? Those are good. Like, those are informative. What Ramsey does, though, that the next gen and some of the off ball coverage metrics don't cover is how Ramsey blows up screens all the time and how he makes plays that aren't his actual coverage. Like he broke up a a wide open touchdown to Travis Kelsey last year. That wasn't his coverage. That wasn't his primary coverage. So that's where Ramsey's coverage grade and stats might not necessarily mesh. He is just a good overall football player. Uh, Brad, do you think Jalen Ramsey's age is a, concern here and then my other question what happened with his contract now do you know like how that like what what is Miami doing with his contract that made this only a third round pick for Jalen Ramsey yeah so first I agree with everything you guys just said it came out after the Detroit Lions were in the mix too I don't know if I would have loved that as much you know assuming they're going to play more man coverage and do different things with Jalen Ramsey like you guys are touching on he can be used differently I think he could be a safety type player uh the reason why the compensation was so low was definitely because of the contract here he had about 35 million dollars that's now fully guaranteed over the next two years uh there was a part of that was already about 12 million was already guaranteed but all of that now will be fully guaranteed. And when you're going to do that, it is going to lower the compensation you're getting in return, uh, of course. By the way, the other element here is, remember Jalen Ramsey, for as much as he's got like the body type and the image out of this like number one press, everyone thinks of a press cover corner, right? Like press coverage, man coverage, that's what your number one guy is supposed to be. He's like the antidote 
to your number one X wide receiver. That's what everybody thinks when they think of a number one corner. And Jalen Ramsey is a number one corner, has that body type. That's what people think he's good at. But always, he's been a better cornerback in zone coverage than he has been in man coverage. So for his NFL career, his PFF coverage grade in zone is 93, which is nuts. In man, it's 71. And he's now moving to like the most zone scheme he's been in, you know, or as zone heavy as anything he's ever been in. So this should be the best version of Jalen Ramsey we see within this defense, like however they choose to deploy him. Miami's playing the first contract quarterback playbook, are they not? Tyreek Hill, Jalen Ramsey. Uh, Before you uh, got off the plane here, Brad, we were (laughs) theorizing about the Rams kind of going the other way, right? They were the team that was trading for splash players. Are they now a team that's going to start looking at the second wave of free agency, looking at uh, building through the draft? But the the Dolphins are trying to take the mantle here as the team that's being aggressive and saying, you got a couple more years of Tua on the cheap. Let's go all in. You've got to compete with the Bills in the East. Yeah, no, that third offseason has been the target. You can go back to you know, 2016, 2017 drafts. Those teams then push the chips in going into that third year or after that third year if you're buying in on the fifth-year option. Dolphins' first team in the entire league to come out and say they're going to exercise that for two attack of Iloa. So I also I probably said this on TED Podcast by now, but a funny quote I thought in Indianapolis I heard talking to someone in the league basically just said, do not underestimate that Stephen Ross, the Dolphins owner, is 82 years old and wants to win while he can still enjoy it. Like that was, and it was kind of a throwaway yeah. line, but it stuck with me. And I think that is very apparent based on the last, you know, what twelve months of what he's done. I would absolutely make moves like that. I mean, that was that was the other thing about the the panel that was interesting to me when we the the Sloan panel is so many of the answers from Thomas Dimitrov and Kevin Demoff were like from their job perspective. Yeah. And it and it's when we started that discussion, it was like, how would you build an organization? It's like, well, the the owner should never let the decision maker make a move that's better for their job. Where else does that happen? Does that happen in industry anywhere? I mean, some places, but you have to have checks and balances for that stuff. But in Miami, it's different. The owner is going to be like, make these moves to make me happy because like, we want to, we want to win here. Look, at the end of the day, they're great decision makers, and these guys do very important things. They evaluate that they're in the owner's ear, but these are the 32 most expensive fantasy teams in the world. That's what this is uh, at the end of the day. <laughs> love it that's why i love jerry jones so much because the man is playing real life fantasy football and unlike everybody else who kind of tries to hide that you know and like puts layers between them and the sort of the obviousness of that he just goes no screw it i own the team i'm gonna do that this is my fantasy football team and i'm a billionaire and screw you and i'm like good job fantastic i I applaud that honesty i love it that's what i would do that's what we all would do right otherwise what's the point like you could just you could play actual fantasy football like the rest of us peons, or you could buy the damn thing, be a billionaire, sit in your fancy stadium with the sun blinding your own players because it looks pretty. That's the way to do it. That is how to billionaire. That's what I'm saying. You should write a book on the mind of billionaires <laughs> from your perspective, from Sam's perspective. I, I tweeted out, uh, the, there was a tweet that was like, Jeff Bezos has employed some like DC you know, law firm to help him look into the feasibility of buying the commanders or whatever, right? I tweeted that that's just bad billionaireing. Like at the point where they have that much money, you should be buying teams like that, like their uh, like their Snickers bars at the checkout, like just as an impulse. Yeah, you'll know in five years after you bought them. Right, exactly. You, who cares? The only lost thing, a half lost, lost a half billion. Like, oh no. The only factor that should be involved in you buying the Commanders is do I want to buy the Commanders today? Yes or no? Right, and then just do it. Uh, and the number of people 
that like have either are unfamiliar with that with our bit during this podcast or simply thought it was serious and were like yeah. hammering me for like that's how you become a billionaire due blah, diligence blah. you got to do your due right. diligence no you buy the team you just buy as many teams <laughs> as possible wake up that morning i'm gonna buy the commander yeah oh no Hope somebody make some it happen money. i'm busy all right so what, here's what usually happens sam um and brad i gotta i gotta learn how to uh handle the three-way conversation here mm, the three-way booth it's we're a just, challenge yeah we're gonna let i'm just gonna you need to you should play point guard we should uh, get chris to text al and find out what the what the secrets are yeah how do you do that yeah. how do you do that i'm a, I'm, a, I'm a passing big man but uh we'll see we'll see how i do here the kolyochich of uh of the yeah that's my guy okay oh man love watching playing him. well i mean he's like arvita sabonis if you know arvita showed up with two knees back in the nba in the, in the 90s it's 90s nba reference um Sure. Usually, the Monday before a free agency, Sam and I record a podcast that within minutes is just like, well, that's old news, mm-hmm. right? That, like, nobody's going to listen to it. It's a free agency preview, and it's terrible. We've spent this entire hour so far, plus, discussing what happened over the weekend. So, any other big news out of the weekend that we need to cover, or do we want to move to what do we think is going to actually happen here? Well, in free hang agency? on. What about the, the, we've got breaking news here that I need your take specifically on. The, uh, the Bills have agreed to terms with punter Sam Martin on a three-year deal with up to $7.5 million. He gets 4.115 in guarantees to stay in Buffalo, where he registered the second most yards per punt in his 10-year career after joining the team in August. Is that rap sheet? Uh, Mike Garofolo. Garofolo. Yeah, it feels like a Garofolo or a rap sheet. <laughs> Can we just, uh, just in case you didn't know who Sam Martin was, let me just give the stat to prove that this, uh, this contract was worth it uh-huh. per uh, whoever the agent is. It's a good move by the Bills. Yeah? Yeah. Okay. I mean, the guy, the guy works less than anyone else in the NFL. He's fresh, Sam Martin. They don't punt in Buffalo. Not if they they went avoid. three straight playoff games last year without punting, didn't they? Two straight, whatever it was. It doesn't matter. By the way, uh, the, the Giants re-upped their punter, who I hadn't heard of either. I make it a point not to know punters' names. Scottish wow. Hammer? Jamie Gillen, the Scottish yeah. Hammer? You don't know the Scottish Hammer? How can you not know that? He's also the guy that, like, dropped the punt. I literally, randomly. as the punt team comes out on the field... I go to another game. I go watch and I put, turn my attention to another. Wow. As soon as I found out they're not We've going got, for it, I go to another game, turn my attention somewhere else. We have at least two, like, rabid punt fanatic people that listen to this show, and you're just slapping them in the face. McAfee yeah. slander's coming soon. If I, well, that's independent of McAfee. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It, like, the, the largest content creator on the planet right now is Mr. Punter, and you're like, nope, not interested. It's, not, it's, it's disgraceful. You know. I'm not going to be a copycat. I'm not just going to copy. You're finding the new edge, which is ignore punters. Yeah. If we um, lose the two punter people, you know, so be it. <laughs> By the way, also completely random aside, but shout out to uh, Coach Bruce, who's now 3-1 and one with the St. Louis Battlehawks. Bruce Gregkowski. Yeah. They're doing it over there. Former PFFer. We got PFFers all over the place now. We got coaches, Zach Robinson, QB coach still. Is that what he is with the Rams? Offensive coordinator, Bobby Sloak with the Houston Texans. Coach Bruce, offensive coordinator at the uh, – St. Louis Battlehawks, who had 38,000 people rock up to their home debut. I trained all those guys. Basically, anybody I trained in analysis over here at PFF is now becomes, an NFL coach. Becomes an offensive you coordinator. Should, that should be like number one on your, that page one of your slide for I can be GM. I already got the offer the other day. It's true. Oh, well, offer. you might want you need more than one offer. You I'm know? taking over for less when he gets sick of the job. Not sick physically. I was going to say, what do of you the, know? Sick of the job. <laughs> All right, let's talk. What else, what else happened this weekend? Anything? What did I miss? I was there something was in the rundown I missed? I don't even have it up. Good. <laughs> That's at a solid Good production right Good there. Good work hosting. Good work hosting. 
Any news this weekend, Brad? I'm guessing we covered, what, the Bears trade? I'm sure we covered yeah. Randy trade. The Bra- Did the Bears get what they should have? I think so, yeah. Uh, I think if you value more as like a late first, early second, um, which is about where we had him at, was it was a in that range, uh, I think you basically say it's a good, good deal, yeah. Uh, I mean, pushing for a number one receiver, not even 26 years old yet, uh, owed about $17.5 million over the next three years. I mean, how, how do you argue with that? How important was it for the Bears to get a <laughs> like half an hour on this. We can't redo the Bears thing again. I just want I want That's fine. I'm just to saying. reiterate my take that it was important to get a player and not just another draft. It's pick. huge for multiple reasons. So I don't know if you touched on I'll try to be a little bit different. So A, they are they need to spend cash. The Bears yeah. do. I, I touched on that. Okay, so that's yeah. one. Good work. Uh, that's, I thought, that's why I was flying here to talk about cash. Uh, and, and then secondly, I think not enough is made, talked about with the knockdown effect of, yes, A.J. Brown's awesome. You go to the Eagles. He's incredible. You also make Devontae Smith better. You make it easier for Dallas Goddard to do things, yada, yada, yada. I think the same thing applies to Chicago. Darnell Mooney and Chase Claypool, good players, not number one receivers. Cole Komet is now your fourth option in the passing game. It just opens everything up for everybody else. Love it. See? There we go. So the Bears made, making the right move now. All right, so legal tampering. Starts at noon. Mm. Legal tampering. What, what, what just happened at the Combine a few weeks ago? Illegal what were all tampering. Those, what were all those conversations? Illegal tampering. Okay. They just wanted to know about the six-round pick the guy was repping. That's it. I just want to say, hey, yeah. you know. We're we... just talking about our draft prospects. Yeah, here. that's it. Mm-hmm. That's and it. oh, by the way, my, my free agent, I hear the market's $18 million for him. Just throwing that just, out there. Yeah, just heard that. You know. just, that was, just in the wind. I mean, that was another interesting part. Did you did you read that Yahoo article from the three age or where they talked to three agents about Lamar Jackson and why the whole thing is good. And they were the most interesting thing about that to me was sort of the relationships that these super agents have with like NFL power brokers. And they're like, you know, they they can call up the owner or they can go have like lunch on the yacht, you know, just because they're the agent. So like this entire concept of like tampering illegal or legal, like there's no way you can enforce it because it's ridiculous. Like, the, the league is just this, in this impossible bind where they have to be like, okay, anything before this date is technically illegal. So, like, try and keep it on the down low. And then when we get to noon, like, everything, you know, all bets are off. Just put everything else out. So what used to happen was the Tuesday was the start of the league year. Tuesday at 4 o'clock. And we'd all be sitting there waiting. 3.59. And then 4 o'clock hits. And then it's like, there's a trade, there's a signing, there's blah, 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 blah. Like, all these deals were worked out in a minute. They just had it, mm. right? They just had it. And it started at 4 o'clock. And then they said, okay, we know that you, we know you're talking. We know you're talking. We're going to give you two, two days to tamper legally. And that's where we're at right now. So what's gonna, what are we going to hear at noon, Brad? And what are you expecting this uh, free agent market to look like? I think there are going to be some big deals that come in that are magically, you know, negotiated in a minute. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, seven-figure, eight-figure, nine-figure deals. It'll, it'll be fascinating to see. I, I think we are going to get some big names and even some Tier 2 guys as well. I thought that was interesting last year that we also got the second wave, quote-unquote, type players agreeing relatively early in the process. So, you know, I think in the trenches is where it'll probably start. I think Javon Hargrave, Draymond Jones, I think Mike McGlinchey, Jawan Taylor, those type of players will come early. And I think the off-ball linebackers as well, Tremaine Edmonds, Bobby Okereke, TJ Edwards, uh, I think will all, you know, probably get done the first couple hours of, of the window draymond jones is number 22 on our board he's a he's a good solid player i keep hearing his name over and over and over again as having a big contract you have his projection at 17 and a half million over four years this is oh man this is where it starts to get this is where it starts to get tough some of these some of these moves are going to be just too much money for good not great players how much do you think that 
the commanders getting an extension done with Deron Payne is going to smooth the way for all those interior guys that are in free agency. Because all of a sudden, you've got a contract to work from in terms of benchmarking. Yeah. No, it's the new floor. I think it's interesting. It is a good deal. I'm never going to argue a four-year, $90 million deal with $60 million guarantees is not a good deal. Um, but it's still, realistically, you tie Aaron Donald's 2018 extension as the number two now because Donald got his massive raise to over $30 million per year. But it's not a true market reset. Or you know, it, Those guys, I think, need to push into the $25 million plus per year range. Quinn Williams, Jeffrey Simmons, Dexter Lawrence. I actually wanted to ask you guys, this is one of the, one of the big things I want to talk about. All right, bring it. When, where or what, how are we going to define, and I wanted to look at his splits before I came on, frankly, but who is a nose tackle and who is now a, you know, a, D, a D tackle that you can move around? Because in my mind, at least in the beginning of his career, Deron Payne was a, def- was a nose tackle. And that market to me is topped by Kenny Clark and guys like Vita Vea in the 17 and a half, 18 million per year range. And it looks like a lot of those guys, because Dexter Lawrence, again, coming out was touted as a nose tackle, obviously had a phenomenal year as a pass rusher, but you know, like, and I don't think I'd put Quinn or Jeffrey Simmons in that conversation, but, you know, Christian Wilkins in Miami, is he a nose? I, I think there's kind of blurring of the lines there. And, and what do you guys think about, you know, that, that conversation? Payne barely, he only had, I was looking at it earlier today, actually, only a couple hundred nose tackle snaps last year. So he is a, yeah, a I mean, move around type of guy. I think generally the days of the nose tackle only type players are almost gone. Like even the guys that are nose tackles, those guys, I mean, nose tackle right now is a sort of additional string to your bow as opposed to a designation. It's like, can you line up, head up over the center and take on a double team, which will need you to do a couple of hundred times in a year, but that's not your job. Like your job is to do all the other things that a defensive tackle has to do and then add that to the mix. Because like, you know, Vita Vea lines up like on, on the edge sometimes. So, I mean, he's as nose tackle as you're going to get in today's NFL in terms of being like a 350-pound monster that can legitimately play head up over a center and toss offensive linemen to the side. But they'll line him up as an edge rusher to get an advantage or kick him back to three-tech or whatever. Like, to me, nose tackle is just like an additional thing you bring on top of like the traditional three-tech. No, so I'm totally with you. It's just now he's making $5 million less per year than Deron Payne a year later. Obviously, there's inflation and all that. But, you know, I, I just found that very interesting yeah. that he was tethered to that market. You see certain guys tethered to that market. And obviously, you know, it's almost like coming out now. Someone gets called a nose tackle. They're going to be like, no, I'm not a nose tackle. I'm not a nose tackle. You know, in the same way, oh, you're a slot corner. No, 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 I'm an outside corner whatever. I think that's kind of that next position there where, oh, I can play zero one tech, but that's not what I am. Yeah. Like three, four outside backers being called linebackers. I mean, that's a whole, it's a, literally a completely different position, but it is part of that. Like we're trying to – Jimmy Graham was trying to be called a receiver right. because, he's, because he's out wide. Um, I do – I find it interesting that I don't – so I don't think the NFL has done a great job or the college hasn't done a great job of bringing good interior defensive linemen into the league over the last three or four years. The last year where you saw that was the Jeffrey Simmons year and everything. So now all those guys – are up for contracts and Quinn and Williams. There's only been a handful of really good interior defensive linemen in the last couple of years. And we always talk about the league trend of lighter boxes. And there's, there's probably more pressure on defensive linemen in a six man box where they're go- literally going to face more double teams, um, keeping those linebackers clean and all that fun stuff that they do. And then it's an added bonus when they can rush the passer. So when you do have those legit three down defensive linemen, whether you call them a nose tackle or not, they are guys that are going to move around the line and they, might be more valuable now just because of six-man boxes and what 
what the league is doing, right? There's more pressure on them up front. That's a big thing for Payne. Underrated. The guy plays like 85-plus percent of snaps in every given season. I think he was second in snaps over the last five seasons among interior defenders. So that would also push back on being an early down type player. I just found it interesting because I feel like coming out, it was, all right, Jonathan Allen is your three-tech that can you know kick out on the five-tech as well, and Payne's more of your interior guy, and he obviously just you know blew past Allen as well, which I also find pretty interesting. Uh, there's always the dynamic of you want to be the highest-paid player at your position on your team. Uh, you know, one obvious example, Xavier Howard, Miami, was not stoked about Byron Jones passing him and got a new deal with four years left, um, I guess relevant to the Jalen Ramsey conversation as well. But, but I, I find that whole dynamic pretty interesting. All right, so um, I want to touch on Payne again really quick because we did have a question about it. I was grinding some Deron Payne film earlier to help uh, answer that. His run defense grade was, was below average this year for a guy that was supposed to be this run-stopping nose tackle. I think there is some gap discipline. There are some gap discipline issues with Payne where he is just playing the wrong gap and these various things come up. He also had, I don't look at sack totals, but he had a bunch of sacks apparently last mm-hmm. year, right? <laughs> I look at the pass rush grade. It was 72. I, I, I still think that's the indicator, right? A 72 pass rush grade. We went through this with Leonard Williams a few years ago. Leonard Williams would have a 72 to 75 pass rush grade, whatever that was, every single year. And one year he has 12 sacks, the next year he has four, and it's like he's the same guy, right? So paying for sacks is a fool's errand. It has been in the NFL for a while. So that's why I don't love the Deron Payne move um, because you already have Jonathan Allen there. You have Deron Payne, and I'll tell you, the, the two best players on that defensive front might just be Montez Sweat and Chase Young when healthy, right? Jonathan Allen is – so I think Deron Payne's the fourth best player on that defensive line. What can Washington do with their cap – in the future with Montez Sweat needing a contract and Chase Young potentially needing a contract soon. How and, do you sign those guys? And that's the big question, too, because, you know, Washington right now is probably kicking themselves to a degree. They came out and said, hey, look, Deron Payne had a breakout year. Yes, the sack production part of that. But, you know, better pass, uh, pass rush win rate, pressure percentage, all that. Montez Sweat is now going into his fifth-year option season. This would be the time to extend him as well. And you have Nick Bosa up for a deal, Brian Burns. Those guys could top $30 million. So... If you're smart, you want to be proactive there and get get you know Sweat's deal done now. But then you're committing what 65 million dollars a year to three defensive linemen. It's a great question. I, I don't know. Is is Chase Young a trade candidate? Is Montez Sweat a trade candidate? You have to at least ask the question. I would be calling Washington for either of those guys. Sweat has been a top eight most valuable edge defender in two out of the last three years. 2021 took a little dip, but in 2020 and 22, uh, Montez Sweat was fantastic. That turned out to be a great uh, trade up for Washington back in 2019 when they went and got him at pick number 26. And then Chase Young, again, when healthy, hasn't been exactly the Miles Garrett Bosa prospect, but he's close. I think, I mean, I think there's a much bigger gap than that. To me, Chase Young is reaching the point where you're asking, like, is he actually going to be the guy that we want to go forward with a second contract to? Not because he's not worth a second contract, but because what that contract would have to be and all the money that we've just committed elsewhere. I don't know how you can possibly justify that based off what he's shown so far with injuries. The guy's played a little under 1,500 snaps in three years. And the majority of those were in the first year where he was good, not as good as um, maybe we expected him to be. Like he, remember, he came in sort of after, after Nick Bosa and Joey Bosa, who had comparable amazing grades at Ohio State, and immediately came in and dominated the NFL, particularly Nick Bosa. And Chase Young's pass, uh, pass rushing numbers at Ohio State, pass rushing grade, were slightly better than Nick Bosa. 
And yet he was good as a rookie, but didn't quite have that kind of impact. And then obviously, as soon as he got into year two and stuff, got injured and has never really had a chance to get back to that point. But unless he comes in this year and dominates, I don't see how you can possibly give him that next contract. And I'm calling Washington. And here's the thing, too. You'll get a signal from Washington. He has a $17.5 million fifth-year option that is due this offseason. So early May is that deadline. Uh, and those are now fully guaranteed, which is a massive difference. They used to be injury-guaranteed only. I always say Leonard Floyd, a good example. The Bears pick it up, has a mediocre fourth season. They cut him, no penalty. Now you lock into that, you can do nothing about it. So if they decline that fifth-year option in two months, every team in the league should be calling and saying, well, you're obviously not that committed to him. Um, you know, don't want to pick up a $17.5 million one-year payday in 2024, it would be. Um, you know, let's talk. Washington's D-line has certainly been – a strength, especially when all those guys are healthy. It'll remain a strength for this year unless there are some moves made. But again, I would, I'd be inquiring about Sweat and Chase Young just because I don't know how they can the afford biggest, all those guys. The biggest question mark with the Deron Payne thing, though, is like the, the Jonathan Allen contract. Like He's an obviously worse player than Jonathan Allen and yep. yet is now getting paid more money. And whether or not that pisses Allen off, it's kind of questionable from the jump just in terms of how much you're paying him. Uh, what else are we looking for today as far as, okay, the Aaron Rodgers stuff? What what are the deadlines? When do we have to know stuff from Aaron Rodgers, from Lamar Jackson? What what do we think plays out here? And I know we've touched on a bunch of this stuff, but what are we waiting for here today on Monday and through Wednesday? Yeah, I think Rodgers is interesting. The Jets obviously want to have some type of idea of how much they can spend. I would say it impacts the Packers less because they don't participate in the first wave of free agency anyways. Um, but, I mean, the Jets, look, they extended Quincy Williams yesterday, so they are still spending. Um, but they can't really go out and make big splash signings, not knowing if they're going to inherit a $60 million one-year cash you know, outlay for Aaron Rodgers. So I would say soft deadline is the next couple hours there. They might know, but it doesn't go public. Um, and then a couple other interesting ones, just real quick, on free agents. Uh, David Onyemata, Marcus Davenport, Dalvin Tomlinson that are on voidable contracts. Those teams move those void dates back to March 15th, basically giving them as much time as humanly possible to, to work out a deal there. But they can still talk to other teams. Um, so kind of a soft deadline of, do you want to avoid all this dead cap uh, accelerating from these void years? If, if so, you got to get a deal done pretty quickly. So uh, all, everything that's happening today, we're going to hear deals have been agreed to. Wednesday, they become official, the official league year. How many, I can't remember, I, I mean, I remember way back in the day, the Frank Gore deal, where Frank Gore signed with the Eagles, and then it didn't happen, and he signed with the Colts, whatever that was. Um, how many of these, that we hear, these deals we hear today or tomorrow change by Wednesday? It happens a couple times a year. I mean, Randy Gregory was the big one last offseason. You know, sounded like he had a done deal with the Cowboys, goes to the Broncos. So the same value, too. It's more about language related to forfeiture of money based on suspensions. Um, yeah, it happens once or twice a year. Anthony Barr was a New Anthony York Jet yeah. for a minute uh, and got, went back to Minnesota. So it does happen. It's not a, not super often, but once or twice per offseason. Um, who's the running? J.D. McKissick also last year. Apparently it was a Buffalo Bill for five minutes. Right. So, yeah, it happens. The, yeah, the, uh, uh, the Barr thing, we might remember recording a – Reaction video to that, and then we had to delete it. <laughs> Rogers, by the way, seems to have already missed a trick with our, you know, he's going to, when's the most, when is the most uh, upstaging he could possibly announce the news, you know, to, to take back the spotlight? He should have announced it like midway through the Oscars the last Oscars. night. Yeah. That would have okay. been perfect. Okay. At the Oscars. Well, that, yeah. He could have been there. On right? the red carpet. Did you yeah. see the interview that, uh, what's his name? Hugh, the fancy British guy that does all those. With, uh, Ashley Graham, I think is her name. Yeah. So he did an interview where he could not have wanted to be somewhere else more. Like, they were like, oh, are you excited to be here? 
no, not really. He's like, well, who are you? She said something like, who are you most interested? What are you most interested to see? And he's like, to see? She's like, well, you know, anyone you really want to win or whatever. He's like, nobody specific, no. <laughs> and then she's like, oh, tell me about, you know, the Glass Onion or whatever that movie was. That must have been exciting. He was like, I was in it for like three seconds. Not really. She's like, but you had fun, right? No. All right. See ya. <laughs> ah, it's amazing. It's just great interview. Hugh Grant, that's his name. Hugh Grant, of course. Could not have wanted to be less Sounds like at the, that interview. The head coach coming out of halftime or right before the end of the quarter when they're trying yeah. to run away from yeah, the yeah. sideline reporter right. as fast as possible. Execute. Yeah, similar exactly. energy. Yeah. She's like, hey, coach, what are you going to do? Uh, execute better. Why, why do broadcasts insist that we need the head coach saying nothing? I don't know. At the half? It's just moving in that direction. Just like I said, it feels so like access that we don't have. For some reason, Australia leads the world in like uh, intrusive media during games. So they have, they were the ones that started off, I think, interviewing coaches like on the way up. But they'll like interview them during games now, right? So like, you know, Mike McCarthy's down here trying to juggle a game and they'll like throw a headset on him and be like, hey, coach. Things didn't go well in the last quarter. What, what, what adjustments are you going to make? Like, what? The, the thing is happening now. See, that's what would make it good. Hey, coach, uh, the model said you had a 33% right. chance of uh, c- converting that fourth down. Why'd you do it? But they were also the first to, like, stick a camera in the dressing room. So you get to, like, see, you know, in-game, like, or halftime. Like, well, like, halftime, what the hell's happening? Like, what does the halftime huddle look like? in the dressing room i think they've started like putting sound on those as well so not only do you have to be aware there's a camera over there watching you in the changing room but now you have to like shut up because the camera will pick up whatever you're saying like so anyway my point being we're now like step one so if you want to see where this is going just look at australian sports broadcasting that's where we're headed yeah, something to aspire to can, Sam. can you imagine mike mccarthy's game management if he had to do an interview in the, <laughs> in the middle of the game i mean it, that's just unfair unfair for everybody involved there we're gonna to go to andy reed now in the two-minute warning <laughs> right right <laughs> you know, i'll call time out uh, immediately the savannah bananas baseball baseball team I've heard of them. Seen their highlights running around it's kind of like yeah. the harlem globetrotters of uh, right. of baseball i tuned into one of their games by accident the other day for like a minute yeah. And they had the pitcher mic'd up. They were playing these former major leaguers. And the major leaguers mic'd up. He's like, I haven't thrown in three years. Right, here we go. First pitch. Home run. Hmm. And they were, he was just like, well, that didn't go so high. Mic'd up. That's what we need. Mic'd up during plays. Just getting Ramsey, shelled on was the, the mound. What was the yeah. call there? You just got burned on a double move. <laughs> oh, yeah. We were in cover three, and I bid on the hit. It wasn't and, mine. Somebody yeah. else. Oh, yeah, yeah. I, mean, I had safety help. I thought I had safety up. help. I was playing to the safety. Right. That'd be great. Every corner was hit that every single time. Every single time. <laughs> Uh, well, let me turn to uh, the teams here, and uh, we're just going to – I don't know when we're going to end the show, but we're just going to keep talking because there's a lot of people here watching. They want our takes on stuff. So uh, which teams are we keeping an eye on? Of course, the Bears, they've got the most money as far as effective cap space goes per over the cap. We've got Falcons, Raiders, Broncos, Bengals, Texans, Patriots, Cardinals, Commanders. What – are these the types of teams we're expecting to be big players? What are you, who are you expecting to hear from here in the first wave of free agency? Yeah, so, I mean, obviously teams have a lot of cap space and, and, and want to spend and add around young quarterbacks like we're talking about. Those rookie contract guys are going to be active. I honestly think Kansas City Chiefs are going to be pretty active in adding tackles. Uh, both guys are pending free agents in Wiley and Brown. I think they could be in the mix on a Juwan Taylor uh, type of player potentially to bring in. So they're interesting to me as well. Um, lower on the cash spending, so ignoring the cap a little bit. Uh, some of the teams at the bottom of that list – 
Carolina Panthers also in the mix there. Uh, the Raiders could spend for sure, especially if they don't add at quarterback. Um, I think maybe the Titans had maybe make a couple moves now that they've cut their entire roster. Right. Maybe add a couple younger players as well. Um, but yeah, otherwise you obviously look to those top top cap space teams you just mentioned. What do the Saints do to get under the cap this year? They just reworking all the contracts right now? Restructure a million contracts. That's actually a deadline I also should have mentioned, uh, which is fascinating. So Mike Thomas agreed to this new deal that was really just a placeholder to help the team negotiate another new deal before the league year begins on March 15th. Um, well, I guess he has a deadline of the 18th when uh, this massive guarantee kicks in that they're not going to pay. So um, I think there is a path to him coming back on a, on a multi-year deal there, maybe one-year flyer with incentives, um, but also something to watch is something that needs to happen in the next couple of days. We had Michael Thomas as an expected free agent, but uh, the Saints are working he their was all here. He was all celebrating when they signed Derek Carr, and you were like, why are you celebrating? You're not going to be there. But they might. They might bring him back. Saints doing, uh, doing big things, as always. All right, we have anything else that we want to discuss here heading into free agency? Our... I think we're pretty much out until things happen. Okay, so here's our plan. Um, we're all going to be here. We're going to be hanging out in the studio all day. As news breaks... We'll go, uh, it won't be live necessarily, but we'll have a reaction. We'll have reaction videos right here on the PFF YouTube channel. So you can get all those by subscribing to the channel and uh, the bell. Ringing the bell. The bell. Ring the bell. Press the bell. You get the, you get the notifications here. So that's what we're looking for here. You guys to get all of our instant reactions as the news breaks, trades, signings, whatever it might be, all mm -hmm. the big stuff. And then uh, we'll have Brad on the show here tomorrow and Wednesday, and we'll just kind of reset everything that's happened from the previous day, keep you guys updated. And um, what else should people know about the contract? The first reported contracts, what are we looking for? And how do we sift through the BS that the NFL insiders are trying to feed us? Yeah, so the biggest thing is that when incentives are part of the contract, that is not defined as the base value of the deal. Um, and oftentimes incentives are pretty hard to hit, so it should not be viewed as some guarantee. Uh, we oftentimes will get the first report includes those incentive numbers, and it won't say up to. We call it the up to amount. The actual base value is different. I think last year we thought Christian Kirk was signing a four-year $84 million contract, which would have been even more absurd than the actual four-year $72 million contract he signed but be wary of that um you know and then everyone takes that and runs with it and, and doesn't actually see the real number which will come out uh, we'll do our best to to you know remind you of that but i want to say it every single time we get a deal um but that that is very common uh you know in, in this space yeah i mean it's just it's good to have at least an interpreter here when it comes to some of the contract stuff and we might not know for a couple days what the what the real stuff is what the real contract terms are mm -hmm. sam you got anything else no, there's like just a lot of people hanging out I know. in the chat listening to us. But, you know, sadly, I don't think you can just chase numbers without having anything to say. So we'll be back. We could we can answer questions. Sure. Any any good uh, listen? Yeah. Any questions? Any, any predictions? Well, one last. <laughs> yeah. Predictions and questions in the chat, and we'll respond to it for two minutes, and that's it. We're chasing okay. numbers. We're sure. chasing numbers. We're trying to get to two thousand. Uh, yeah. If you get us to two thousand people watching, we'll stay. Okay. We'll stay until noon. I think like, each individual person is probably of limited ability to change that. Where's DJ Chark's best fit? I don't know. Wow. How's that? That's some solid insight there. In the Back to Detroit, one-year deal, another deep threat. You're bringing a lot of uh, not knowing to the table today. Anybody that needs a little, I like Minnesota little... for that one. Cut Adam Thielen, another LSU Thielen guy with Justin there. Jefferson. I think they were teammates for a year at LSU. Um, so I like that one. Paris Campbell, any fits for Paris Campbell? Reunite with Frank Reich in Carolina because they have maybe the worst receiver core I've seen in years. No, come on, it's not even worse than Green Bay's last year. Like, 
Who, uh, they had Christian Watson. We know Christian Watson broke out. You can't say that in Green Bay. Of course you can. Like, they, the Bears last year. Who, who are you high on in Carolina? I'm not high on anybody. I'm just saying that, like, they have a group of wide receivers that is not demonstrably worse than multiple wide receiver rooms last season. Like, Terrace Marshall, LaVisca Chenault, they have some bodies that are capable. Free agent draft wide receivers that Carolina should target. Sam earlier on the show suggested a trade for Nuke Hopkins. If you're trying to help out your young quarterback, and I suppose so. Brandon Cooks, uh, you know, I guess in the same boat. Um, Yeah, I mean, I don't hate that. What do you think Nuke is going to go for? Because, like, people still think Nuke Hopkins, elite number one wide receiver, he's going to get a high draft pick. But, like, big wide receivers on large money are going for peanuts now. So what is the pick we're talking about? Yeah, and relevant is the Jalen Ramsey trade yesterday, where if if he's asking for a bunch of money guaranteed or maybe even a new contract like he got going to Arizona in the first place, it'll come down. I think he'll go for a second-round pick. He looks – I think, you know, Julio Jones – was a two and a four for for Julio and a six? I want to say was the trade there. Um, I think it's that's probably the framework. Similar age, similar profile players. Um, you know, missed time for different reasons, but nevertheless. But yeah, if you want right now, he has about two years, thirty-four million left on his deal. If he wants new money or he wants most of that guaranteed, then we might see the, the Jalen Ramsey situation again. All right, two last things we're going to finish on. Did, when you were flying, did you happen to see the notes on the Deshaun Watson restructure? Yes. Okay. What does that mean for the for the Browns? They're already paying. It's all fully guaranteed. What does that mean for the Browns? Yeah. So they converted his salary next year, which I want to say was forty six million dollars. Uh, they dropped that down to the minimum. So for him, it would be one point oh eight million, and then converted every other part of that, so forty five million dollars, um, into a signing bonus and spread it out over. They actually added a void year as well, based on the reporting, uh, and they cleared thirty six million dollars. So you take forty five, you divide it by five, and you push four fifths of that. That is nine. <laughs> So, right, nine stays on the books, and then 36 goes to the other four years, like I said, including the void year that they must have added if that reporting you know, is accurate on $36 million. Can they just do this forever to clear cap space? And then if, you know, five years from now they're going to pay the credit card, as you like to say? That's what the Saints have been doing, the Eagles have been doing for a very, very long time. Um, yeah, it's a credit card. The bill does eventually come due, but you can do it in perpetuity, yeah. The, the idea of having the fully guaranteed contract was supposed to – maybe limit flexibility from a team. Is that really not the case? No, so it can in that, you know, he's uncuttable the entire time if he doesn't sure. play well or stuff like that. Um, you know, but yeah, you can still restructure it and push it down the road. The, the thing is more like, you know, you get into a Matt Ryan situation or a Ryan Tannehill, whatever, where the last year the deal has a big salary and it's not guaranteed you can cut him or get a pay cut. With him, he, you have no leverage to do anything with him. All right, the, the last question, it's from the chat. Uh, Corey Drennan says, can you explain the minimum cap threshold in which teams have to spend? Yeah, so this is a cash spending threshold. It's tied to the salary cap, but it's about cash. And what it is is from 2021 to 2023, teams need to spend 90% of the cumulative salary cap. So well, that would be uh, 182.5 plus 208.2 plus 224.8. You add those up. 90% of that, every team has to spend that much in cash. No one's really at risk of not hitting it, except for the Chicago Bears are pretty close um, to kind of having to spend to reach it. They were they spent less than $150 million last season. Um, the Rams spent almost double the data, $280-something million. So it also shows you, like, cash and cap are not the same. But, um, yeah, long answer short, the Bears are going to have to be relatively active. Again, not go crazy, but – and that is only tied to the cash they spend in 2023. So signing bonuses and then salary and roster bonuses that hit that year or what would add to that number. All right, there you go. Keep firing those questions in, maybe in the comments, because we're, uh, we're out of here. Mm-hmm. Thanks to everybody for tuning in. That's our Monday morning show, little review and a little uh, free agency preview. And again, we're here for the next few days. Uh, regularly scheduled shows Tuesday and Wednesday. 
and then make sure you subscribe to the YouTube channel and hit the bell so you get all the updates. We will be re reacting to the free agency news and the trades and whatever Aaron Rodgers is going to do and all that fun stuff as it happens. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in. We'll see you throughout the day here.